Oh, yeah. You have to flick them and then keep them off. And that is the key. We're live. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you're in the back and chatting, come on forward, find a seat. If you're joining us on the live stream and you're in your kitchen, join us and find a seat. If, if wherever you wherever you're wherever you're at, and uh, come on in. And uh, we're looking forward to starting this morning. Welcome to Salamo Valley, uh, and we're excited to worship this morning. Got a lot of fun things planned today, and uh, let's start off the morning uh, with, some, with some songs. See the tomb where he lay, see the stones roll away.
Amen. Amen. Good morning. You guys awake this morning? Woo! Woo! I always love the that question that follows by a woo. One person has had too much coffee. But so excited to sing this morning. Um, I I am I have a lot to be grateful for this morning. This is the first time I've actually worn my guitar since surgery last month. And so it's uh baby steps. Baby steps and uh getting to sing and stand feels like a million bucks. Um, so again, I constantly am thankful for you guys and thankful for all the prayers and support over the last couple of weeks. Um, and especially as I, pl- I have incrementally come back. So thank you again for all the all that support. Um, we worship an amazing God. Amen. Amen. We get to worship a God who is who is always here, always around, always uh, never leaves us. No matter what the case, no matter what the story is, God is always there. And this song, um, this song says just that. So let's sing together. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. That is who you are. That is who you 
it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, no, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, Lord, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are the waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Sing that is. That is who you are. 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 I teach you guys a new song this morning. Some of you may know it, um, uh, but the song says, the chorus says, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. You know, in a time where there's uncertainty and a time of craziness, as we've been battling weird, crazy things for the last year, I, there's one thing that will never change, and there's one thing that is always true, and that's that we worship an amazing God. And I keep saying that over and over again because for me, um, it's something that I've had to repeat to myself as I've been battling things going, no matter what I'm battling, I know that God is greater and that God is bigger, and no matter what is formed against you, no matter what weapon, no matter what circumstance, we worship an amazing God. And I hope this song is gets I hope this song gets stuck in your head this week. To be honest with you, and as you're driving down the road, as you're sitting at work, and as you're cutting tomatoes to make salsa, like I hope that that is that is uh, I hope the salsa is great. But I hope that the um, this song gets stuck in that space. Let's, let's sing together. Falls, it won't 
my God will never fail. My God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. I know. I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. Oh, you turn it for good. Sing, you take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. One more time. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning. God, we declare that as we um, as we take every step. God, every breath of our day, of our week, that we declare that we worship a God who is always here, no matter what you put in front of us, no matter what life brings us, God, we worship a God who is victorious, an arisen Savior. We worship you this morning, God, we proudly sing your name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. Well, welcome to Solana Valley Church. We are so glad to see all of you here joining us today in person. And also a special welcome for all of you joining us on Facebook and YouTube. We're so glad that you decided to worship with us today. 
And uh, we're also excited to see the kids here today. So I love seeing Iris and Hannah and Olivia and all the girls, and it's just wonderful seeing the kids. So we love having the kids come, and we also have a cry room if you need that during the service today as well. So this morning I want to encourage you um, during the week to visit our Facebook and our Instagram page if you want to get connected on what we're doing as a church and some upcoming events. Also check out our SBC app, and you can get that at the App Store or Google Play, and you can find out different ways that you can serve here at SBC. So because our mission here at SVC is to worship, grow, serve, and reach, those are the things, if you're a follower of Jesus and you are part of this church family, we want to encourage you to really engage in the mission with us. And we want to focus on serving this week. And there's something that really special, that special happens when you serve Jesus. So when you think about the way that you're wired, Think about your likes and what you're good at, what kind of comes naturally to you. Well, the truth is, is God built you that way. And it's so cool because in the body of Christ, we're all different and we all have different gifts. And one of the gifts that we have as part of the church is we get to use our gifts to serve Jesus and the church. And so um, they say that when you volunteer and when you do something for someone else, that that actually helps like with depression and really without thinking of yourself all the time. What happens is you start thinking of someone else above yourself, and that's intentional. Jesus made us. I mean, God made us. He knows how we're wired. So when we serve, not only is it being obedient to God, but it's good for our hearts. It's good for our spirit. And so I want to encourage you right now, if, you, uh, if you're not currently serving and you want to get plugged in, if you go to our SVC app and you click serve, there are so many different ways you can serve here at Solana Valley. And right now in this season of our church, we do have some specific needs uh, for serving is greeting team. If you like to meet people, and you just are warm, and it's just kind of the way God built you, we want to encourage you to join our greeting team. Also, our kids' ministry and our nursery. So coming back out of COVID, we are needing to uh, rebuild our children's ministries. So if you like kids, we want, and you love Jesus, and you love kids, that is a great place to get connected. And also our tech and media teams. We've done so much of our worship um, online this past year, and that's going to be continuing um, even as we're coming back in person. So uh, we want to uh, just encourage you to serve. Those are some uh, current needs we're looking at. And, again, you can go to our SVC app and just click serve, and you can get more info on all those things. So I'm super excited. Two weeks from today is Easter Sunday. And I can't believe it's already Easter, and it's already that time again. So uh, that's two weeks. It's going to be on Sunday, April 4th at 10 a.m. We will have our Easter service that day here um, at the church. And I know that um, we're going to be giving Easter gifts to every family with kids. And that Sunday, it's going to include an escape room and other fun family activities that you can do at home. So we really want to uh, encourage you to come on Easter. But also think about who is that friend that's just kind of been on your heart? Or maybe your neighbor that you run into when you're working in the yard and you just kind of wonder where they're at. 
I want to encourage you, go ahead and, and, and invite him. And, you know, that person that kind of keeps coming back to your mind, I know this week I told Gary this last night at dinner, God's been putting my neighbor on my heart. And, you know, what that is is that's the Spirit saying, invite, invite. So I just want to encourage you, listen to the Spirit. If he's telling you to, to invite somebody, just do it and uh, invite them to our Easter service. Also, we're having a Good Friday service. So two days before Easter, that Friday, April 2nd at 6 p.m., we're going to have our Good Friday service and where we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So right now we're going to worship God with our giving. And there's four ways that you can give. One, you can go online at www.solanovalley.org slash giving. You can tap give on the SVC app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text give to 707-883-3019. And then if you're here in the service today, we have a silver letter drop box at the back of the church. You can put your, your giving in there. So at this time, I'm going to welcome Gary to come back up, and he's going to introduce Joey. So let's welcome Gary. All right. Thanks, Sweet. Hey, guys. So good to see you all today. Thank you for being with us, whether you're coming uh, here today through, uh, online or if you're with us in person. We're really glad uh, you're here and appreciate you being here. Uh, I'd like to, uh, you know, we, we, I've got some good news. I have some good news. Some of you already know this, uh, but we serve a God who is a very, very good God. Uh, he is always faithful. Uh, he is awesomely in charge of everything in our lives. Uh, our God saves. Our God heals. Our God restores. And like Joy likes to say, is that, that our God recycles. He, he recycles uh, areas of pain, brokenness, disappointment, things like that in our lives for good. And he wants to do that in our lives. But uh, the good news that I want to share with you today, that's good news too, okay? That's really good. It never goes away. Uh, but the good news I want to share with you, I know a lot of you have been praying uh, for Matt and Carolyn Skinner, and uh, you guys are aware that Matt has myelofibrosis, and I know you've been very, very invested in praying for them. And what the doctors had said is that uh, that, that the worst days of Matt's, um, his experience of getting a bone marrow transplant, going through chemo, all that kind of stuff, they said March 10th to the 24th were going to be his worst days. Well, guess what? Today is March the 21st, and yesterday Matt was released from the hospital. Isn't that fantastic? I just, I just think that's really, really awesome. And uh, the bone marrow, uh, uh, the, the, the graft, whatever you call it, it is taking like super fast. Like before they said the soonest date would be, he's ahead of that. And uh, so uh, he's going to be living about a half mile from the hospital because he has to go back and forth every other day. And he has to be there in case anything goes a little bit sideways. So he's going to be a half mile there from Stanford. Uh, and he'll be there for at least two months, maybe a little bit longer. By the way, Matt, if you're watching this morning, uh, we're uh, welcome. We're glad you're with us. But but um, we're just really grateful for how God is working there and what God has done. So um, I'm going to lead us in a little prayer uh, about that, and then I'm also and then I'm, I'm going to introduce to you Joey Manzi if I can. But let's pray first. Okay. 
God, first of all, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are always faithful. I, I just as we were singing that song a moment ago, I kept going back to what I read in the scriptures yesterday about uh, the story of David and how David chose to be a champion for Israel and face the giant Goliath. And, and what we see in that is that, you know, David is not the hero of the story. It's you who are the hero. And God, you are the hero of our stories. You are the one who fights for us. You are the one who saves us. Uh, you are the one who uh, heals. You are the one who recycles the bad things in our lives, including things that we've done, into good. And we are grateful for all of that. God, we are so grateful. So grateful that Matt is doing better, that he was actually able to leave the hospital yesterday. And so we just want to say a big thank you. We want to say a big thank you. We want to continue to pray for Matt, for Carolyn, for the girls, for Lauren, for Katie. And, Lord, we want to pray for all the people in our church who may be uh, facing some kind of a challenge, heartache, pain, disappointment, whatever right now. But we just pray that, that each one of us will see your faithfulness in our lives wherever it is we really need to see that. So I want to commit that to you in prayer. Later this morning, God, in just a few minutes as Joey comes up, I ask you to fill him with your spirit. I pray that as he opens your word to us that we will hear you speak and uh, that we will uh, really uh, that we will humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls and so that's my prayer as he brings the word to us uh, this morning and I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory amen so real quick and I'll turn it over to Joey let me just tell you a, a little bit about how I made the acquaintance with him uh, some of you may remember Mark Abril, who led us in worship a while back when we were still meeting online only. Uh, but Mark is an outstanding worship leader from one of our larger churches with Venture Church Network uh, down in San Jose. And I had just kind of I had made the comment to uh, to Mark that I had not had a, a Sunday off since uh, since March 22nd last year. And uh, and I wasn't complaining. I wasn't complaining, just saying, you know, this last year has just kind of been crazy. And uh, Mark was like, he said, you know, we got some guys. He said, there's, there's one guy I really think could be really, really good for you guys. His name is Joey. And uh, and so uh, he ended up sending me, uh, emailed me later, and uh, I, I went on YouTube, and I watched a sermon by Joey on um, – who, who are you becoming? Is that what it was? Who are you becoming? It's based upon Luke chapter 6. And Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, it says this. It says uh, that no, no disciple is greater than his teacher, but everyone fully trained will be like their teacher. And, in, 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 um, you know, what God has called us to do, our mission as a church is inviting people to follow Jesus. That's what we're about. And, and what we want to do is we want to follow Jesus in a way that we're becoming more like him in our thinking, our affections, our attitudes, our actions. And, and that's really what we are about as a church. And so as I listened to the message, I thought, wow, I mean, this is like uh, it really, uh, you know, he was preaching from a text. That's one of my favorite texts in the scriptures. Well, every text I feel like that way about. But, but Mark, Luke 60 has really shaped me in some different ways. And I thought, I thought, you know, he's really consistent philosophically where we're coming from in our understanding of the scriptures. So, uh, so we had talked, Joey and I ended up talking on the phone. He talked to me about this, this series that he had done uh, called Next Door, The Art of Neighboring. And so he's going to be with us this week and again next week. And so I'd like you to just give a really warm welcome to Joey this morning, if you would, please. 
Is this thing on? Hello? Mom at home, can you can you see me? Can you hear me? Hey everybody. Welcome to church. Um I'm welcoming you to the church that I just got welcomed to. Um let me uh do you see how tall I am? Who set this up? I'm just kidding. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for having me. My name's Joey. I come all the way from San Jose, uh, Westgate Church. I've been there for a few years. Um, I don't know how much of a say you all had in me coming here, but thanks for letting me be here with you. Pastor Gary invited me to come and preach, and, um, and like you said, next week, and I've been super stoked for this opportunity. I, I can't stop thinking about it. And uh, when we were chatting on the phone, I he was asking me, you know, what's been on your heart? What's kind of been going on? And one of the things that's really been on my mind is um, getting back to the basics, the basics of, uh, of our faith and fundamentals of our faith. Um, I'm not going to, uh, this is an indictment on anybody who doesn't do this, but um, I feel like sometimes in our culture, it's easy to talk about things that are important, like anxiety and depression and, you know, financial hardship and things like that, which are all good and the church should definitely partner. But I think there are things um, like mercy and forgiveness and repentance and sin and things like that that are also vitally important to our faith. And without those things, I don't know if our faith would look the way that it does. Um, and I think we need to know all of those things before we can really get into the financial hardship and the anxiety and the depression and all of that. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? Cool. <clears throat> so I wanted to share with you a little bit um, before I get into it, just so we have some sort of rapport. Um, Again, my name is Joey. I work at Westgate Church. I'm one of the youth pastors there. I've been in full-time ministry for five years, and uh, in, uh, including part-time ministry, eight years, uh, between student ministry and worship ministry. I promise I won't bore you, um, at least I hope not, but I love theology. Theology is something that uh, me saying I love theology would not have been something I would have said before maybe three years ago. Um, I would have called you crazy because I've been an athlete my whole life. I played baseball through college. I started playing baseball when I was four years old, hitting the ball, running down the wrong baseline, wearing the helmet backwards, that whole thing. And, um, but I've learned to love theology, uh, studying the Bible, learning what original Greek and original Hebrew um, and Aramaic and translations looked like, and sometimes finding that our English translations don't always do it justice. And so that's something I kind of geek out on and looking at those things, but not just for kicks and giggles, but to understand the context of what we're reading. Um, in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for example, Paul says, for we are his workmanship or we are his handiwork. But that original word in the, since we're in the New Testament, that original word comes from the Greek, and that original Greek word is poiema. It sounds like poem, but what it really means is masterful creativity. And so what we read in English as handiwork or workmanship makes me think of a carpenter, which then aligns with Jesus, but it makes me think of somebody who's like building something. But the original Greek uh, would have said masterful creativity. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be known as masterful creativity made by the creative master, the supreme being, rather than anybody who could put something together with their hands. Um, so I love to contextualize, and I love to see how we can apply it to our lives. Um, and so we're going to do a little bit of that today, if that's okay. 
<clears throat> I have a bachelor's from Sonoma State. I've played baseball my whole life, like I said, and now I get to live the dream of sharing the good news with students. Um, I see we have some uh, children over here. What's up, kids? How's it going? <laughs> um, that's okay. Who's that guy? Oh, that's not Gary. Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah, I get to share the good news and, and help students and, and anybody, um, you know, shape the way they view the world, why we're here, and, and who put us here. And so my goal is over the next couple of weeks to do that, but also to build some sort of bond with you guys. Um, when Pastor Gary called me and we connected on all things teaching and church, and like I said, I felt like God was reminding me of getting back to the basics, getting back to foundational pieces of our faith. And so... Tonight, or sorry, I'm used to teaching in the, in the evening. We have services on Saturday night. Um, today, we're going to be learning about mercy. And next weekend, we're going to be learning about forgiveness. Um, how it plays out in our lives. How it should play out in our lives. Um, how Jesus modeled it and why it's so important. And so let me pray for us before we get into it. God, thanks for uh, an opportunity to share. And um, I pray that you would keep us all safe from uh, so many things out there, including this crazy virus. Um, we praise you for the story about Matt, was it this morning? Um, super stoked about that to hear you uh, working miracles and, and healing. Um, so we thank you for that. And God, as we learn today, just ask that everything that's said would not be of me, but would be of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I often begin my messages I also move around a little bit. Sorry, everybody at home, if I'm like halfway out, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I often begin my messages with a question, and I do that with middle school students. That's who I primarily work with uh, because their attention spans are worse than goldfish. But um, I'm going to do the same with you, but I'm not saying your attention spans are the same. I usually do that. Keep you on your toes. This could totally flop, but let's see if we have any brave souls with us today. What is mercy? Who's got an idea? What's mercy? Okay. Any other guesses? What's mercy? We know how to use it. We know how to see it. But how do we define it? Stumps you, huh? Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Putting this in simple terms, if you have the power to punish someone or harm someone because they just wronged you to no end, don't. Don't punish them. Don't harm them. Does that make sense? You have compassion on them. You immediately forgive them for what they did, no matter if they said sorry, which we're going to get into next week. So I will hold off going preachy down that. But... <clears throat> Back in September of last year, this seems like forever ago, um, we were in one of the shutdowns uh, in Santa Clara County, so they were pretty locked down. I don't know how it was here in Fairfield, but um, back in September of last year, one of my buddies, his name's Wesley uh, from Westgate, he said, hey, um, it's Saturday morning, you don't work till later this evening, you want to go paintballing? And I said, okay, sure. I mean, I was just going to sit on my couch anyway, so let's go. He said, there's about 12 of us who are going to be there. Bring 30 bucks. Meet us here. I said, okay, let's go. In San Jose, there's these really big paintball grounds. You go to this paintball place, there's five different courses with tons of different, you know, contraptions and buildings and nets and wooden things and obstacles, and it's super fun. It was like paradise for me, and I get to, like, shoot people with paint. I mean, that's great. So we split off into two teams of six, 
And before we played, the employees laid down what they call the mercy rule. Now, the mercy rule was something that they um, held to a very, in very high regard because these paintballs, um, I don't know if anybody's ever been paintballing, it hurts. It hurts a lot. <laughs> and in September, it was a heat wave. And so I didn't show up in jeans and a long sleeve and a hoodie and, you know, extra clothing to try to, you know, let it not hurt as much. I showed up in a tank top and shorts and like flip flops because it was so dang hot. But this next piece of info is really important for context. I want you to know that there were no women around and that is not why I dressed like that. Um, my girlfriend was not there. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so. This mercy rule. Basically, if you are within, I would say, uh, Pastor Gary and I are within 10 feet of each other, right? If you get close to somebody, an opponent, who's within 10 feet of you, you're supposed to point your, your paintball gun at them and say, mercy, 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 mercy. And the first person to say it wins. It's as if you shot them. It's as if you got them out. But because you're so close, instead of shooting them, you have mercy on them, right? So that is something that I was looking forward to because, you know, we were having a good time. We're running around. Well, in the very last round of paintball, it gets to the point where it's me versus three other people. And so I was doomed, right? I was just waiting for it. It was very daunting, but my competitive edge kicks in and I'm like, no, I'm going to get them all out. It didn't happen. Um, <clears throat> thank you for that. Uh, so I'm going to try to explain this from my vantage point, but basically I'm in the middle of the field on my grounds. There's this, these like porta potty, wooden porta potty looking things. It's just these tall rectangular pillars. So I'm over here and I'm waiting behind it. And all of a sudden, uh, it's, it's got four walls. All of a sudden on the wall adjacent to it, the barrel of my opponent's gun pops out. And I was like, and so I freak out for a second, but I don't say anything because I didn't want him to see me. And then I realized... He didn't move. He didn't shoot. So what I think happened was he was like this. Talking to one of his other uh, teammates. So I see the barrel, and immediately I pop out. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And he blasts me right in the stomach. I can't show it to you, but I still have a scar. Like, I still have a ring right here. You guys... I was livid. I was so upset. I let him have it. I didn't cuss at him. I promise. I don't do that. But I did everything else. I was so upset with this guy because there's a rule in place for, for a reason. And I, got, I was at the expense of it. I was bleeding. It was the worst. It hurt so bad, you guys. And I was just so angry because now I was out. It alerted everybody where I was, and I didn't have anybody else to help me out. <clears throat> it was really unfortunate for me. Um, he claims that he didn't hear me. I don't know how the heck he couldn't have heard me because I was yelling in his face in front of him. It is what it is. Uh, but he didn't follow the mercy rule. It, it resulted in me getting shot. But I'm convinced that when you or somebody is in the position to have mercy on someone else, but you choose not to have mercy, you choose to not be merciful, it always hurts somebody. It could be you. It could be the other person. And today we're going to get a biblical perspective of this, 
Um, I want to read through Luke chapter 10. We're going to read maybe 12, 13 verses. Um, and most of this is Jesus speaking. And while we're reading this, I want you guys to pay attention, take mental notes or regular notes. Um, take note of who is speaking when, who are the characters, how are they described, and what they say about money. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, as in Jesus. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I picture him asking that question in a very sassy, mocking way, and we'll see why. In reply, Jesus gives him a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and went away, leaving him half dead. That sucks. If you guys think the Bible is boring, this is like an action movie. Holy smokes. I feel bad for this guy. A priest, of all people, happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This reminds me of when I'm out, you know, in the neighborhood and I'm walking around during COVID. I'm walking down the street, just minding my own business. And there's somebody in the oncoming as well. And it's just a game before somebody stops and crosses a street and keeps going on the other side. Has anybody ever had that experience? That's what I feel like. Except a priest walked by him. That grinds my gears. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Four pivotal words in this story. So a lot just happened here. Let's talk it out. The characters that we have, Jesus, the expert in the law, the man traveling who got beat up from Jerusalem to Jericho, The robbers, there was multiple, I'm going to count them as just one. A priest, a Levite, a Samaritan, and the innkeeper. Here's where I start to geek out a little bit on the theology. We can assume that the expert in the law is a Jew, and that's important. We can assume this because the expert in the law called Jesus teacher. He didn't call him Savior, he didn't call him Messiah, he didn't call him Son, he didn't call him Son of the Most High God, which is riddled all over the New Testament. He called him Teacher. Other translations call it Rabbi, both indicators that this guy was a Jew. 
This is because Jews didn't and generally don't believe in Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah, as the coming King. They're still waiting. It's like calling LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Michael Jordan good basketball players. They are. And Jesus was a teacher. He was a rabbi. But it's only scratching the surface. And in some ways, it could be insulting. So the Jewish expert asks what he needs to do to get eternal life. And I think this is the wrong question to ask. It seems that he has the wrong motivation. It seems that in the beginning of the story, he's making a mockery of Jesus and trying to justify all of his actions. And then he follows it up with, well, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to get salvation? What do I got to do to get eternal life? What do I got to do to inherit the kingdom? It seems like he's, at, he's looking for a quick thing for a forever thing. And that doesn't make sense to me. Because salvation isn't about doing anything. Jesus did it all for us. And so Jesus answers this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He answers this question with a reference to where it is in the Old Testament. Guess what's required to be considered an expert in the law? Knowing the Old Testament like the back of your hand. And so I think it's hilarious, actually, that Jesus didn't respond with any New Testament references or New Testament theology. But he noticed that this expert in the law probably wouldn't know any of it. And he was like, I think you're a Jew because you called me teacher, so therefore you don't believe in all this stuff. So I'm going to answer your question with the information you already know. The information that you should already know if you're this expert in the law. I think it's kind of witty that Jesus does stuff like that. I think he answered his question with like, well, you know, you should know this, dude. You, you should know this. It's kind of way. Maybe it's only funny to me. Um, so then Jesus says, you have answered correctly. So he gives it to the expert in law. says, hey, you actually qualify for being called an expert because you know your stuff. Verse 28 says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And this next part, I think, is so relatable. The very next verse in verse 29, I don't have a slide for it, but it says, the expert in the law, he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The fact that he tried to justify himself and the fact that the New Testament writer, we're in, we're in Luke, right? And Luke was a physician, which means he's super detail-oriented. So I tend to trust Luke when he adds these certain words, these clarifying words, justify, not any other like lesser word he could have used or a more general term like wanted more information or just responded. But Luke wrote down that he wanted to justify himself. And he said, and who's my neighbor? And I think we do this. I think this is our human nature. We may not say it. But I think we see sometimes people like this person who got beat up, stripped naked, beaten up, half dead. Whether that was physical or for us, we see somebody who's emotionally hurting or mentally hurting or spiritually hurting. And we just see him and walk on the other side of the road. I think we do that. So the fact that the scripture says that he tried to justify himself indicates to me that he didn't want to adopt Jesus's description of who a neighbor is, further solidifying as to why I think he was Jewish. 
because he didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was. So then Jesus moves on to tell the story that changes the game. And this is where we see mercy unfolding. It's kind of like playing a game called Spot the Christian. You know, you have all these different characters on this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, which I'll show you some photos in a second, but it's an 18-mile trek, losing about 3,000 feet in elevation. And it goes into a super dry and super sunny land with just mirages everywhere. There's no water hanging around. There's you, You're coming down 18 miles. You're not running. <clears throat> you're walking. You might have got a donkey. You might have something like that. And there's robbers riddled all over the place. And then there's this dude sitting down in the ground, bleeding, broken, scarred, just hurting, can't help himself. And he's naked. I, I honestly, <laughs> that's funny. Honestly, <laughs> For those of you on the live stream, there's kids who laughed and it was funny. You should be here. Um, So I think this story would be a little bit different if he wasn't naked. I think there's something that happens to us when we know we're in a position of vulnerability that kind of forces us to not do other things because we don't want to be seen. And for him, he was probably sitting there thinking, man, I need so much help, but I'm so vulnerable. I really wish someone would help me, but also don't look at me, but also look at me because I need help, but don't look at me. I can't imagine what this guy was going through. And one person helped him. Two people walked right by him. Those guys are so stupid. Like, I don't care what you believe in. How could you walk by somebody like that? How could you notice somebody who needs help? And just not help them. I don't think you get to pick and choose. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But the third guy, the Samaritan, the one who went out of his way to treat him very well, the one who said, I see you hurting. I'm going to help you. And by the way, I'm going to throw you on my donkey. And oh, by the way, I'm going to go the entire way with you. And then I'm going to put you up in an inn, which is like, old word for a hotel. And then I'm going to pay the innkeeper two days wages, two denarii. And a denarii is a day's wage. So he gave two days wages. And I want you to know for most of us, you know, living in California or in an industrialized modern area, two days wages there's generally some sort of surplus, right? We work for a month, we pay our rent, we, you know, we pay our bills. They generally come on, you know, once or twice a month. That wasn't really how it was back then. Every single day's wage was going to something. It was used immediately. It was often used to barter, to get food, to buy animals, to then get food or to sell. And it held way more value than me just working a day Multiply that by 14 and getting paid two two weeks later and paying my bills and then having uh, surplus. This guy took his two days wages that he probably earned the day before and then the day before and just gave it to the innkeeper. And then on top of it said, and also I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you might have. Just let me know. They didn't have receipts back then. He knew that the innkeeper could have been pulling his leg and said, I actually need three days wages. Because I, uh, 
uh, gave him some food from, you know, our recently fattened calf that we killed. Or, um, you know, he could have made it up. And the dude who had mercy on him, the Samaritan, said, you know what? Don't even tell me about it. Just tell me what you need. He went above and beyond, way more than what we're inclined to do, to have mercy on somebody. Here's where the story gets even crazier. And I geeked out on this two nights ago after I had it all written. It was like midnight. The guy who helped him was a Samaritan. The parable is called the parable of the good Samaritan. And that's a term that you guys have heard before ever reading this, uh, ever being a Christian, right? You've heard that term, just be a good Samaritan. Do good things, do good deeds, be nice to people, you know, help the old lady across the, 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 the crosswalk, across the street, mow somebody's lawn, you know, tip Starbucks. Be a good Samaritan, help out. Well, that's not where it actually comes from in this story. This guy, get this. So Samaritans were from Samaria. A Samaritan was not a good person. A Samaritan is from Samaria just like an American is from America. So it was a cultural clue. It was a context clue of where this person's from. Now Samaritans, or people from Samaria, did not get along with Jews. It was like oil and water. It was like the 49ers and the Raiders, the Dodgers and the Giants. It was, it just, they didn't mix. And often in these times it got violent because they had all this hatred towards each other that a lot of them didn't even know why they hated each other. It was just a thing. The story that Jesus tells us doesn't give us the name or the cultural background of the person who got beat up. But he was coming from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And that was an 18-mile trek. Who predominantly lived in Jerusalem? Jews. I have a couple photos. This is what it looked like. This is literally um, where this was taking place. Uh, It was the walk between Jerusalem and Jericho. There's one more photo. You can go there and you can hike it. But this is what it looked like. And this is what it still looks like. It's just craters, it's rocks, it's avalanches. You fall, you roll, you might die, and nobody ever knows. Super dry. Resources resources are only found if you brought them. And this area was super common for people to get jumped, for people to get beat up, for people to get robbed. Because if you run away, if you're running a little too fast and you misstep, you're done. And so robbers just prayed here, not P-R-A-Y. Maybe they did pray to then pray on people, but they prayed on people here. This was a goldmine for them. And people who were traveling down here were so tired, they were dehydrated, they were hungry, and it's like, just take my wallet, get away, don't kill me, I'm just so tired, just, just take all my stuff, take my day's wages. And what's even crazier, Guess who were the most common people to do the robbing? Samaritans. And guess who helped the guy who was dying? A Samaritan. That changes the whole story. I've never known that reading this story. But that, to me, changes the entire story. Because this guy who's trained to rob people 
then said, I'm going to abandon that. I have the ability to punish and harm. I'm prepared. I have my food and my resources, my knives, my whatever they used. I can punish these people. I can harm them, but I'm not going to. And on top of that, the people that I would go then and rob, he's dying. Some people that he probably knew. He probably, there's probably like the same people who go and do all the robbing. And he probably knows, oh yeah, Johnny and Becky and Timmy and whatever, they just beat the heck out of this guy. I'm going to go save him. And it wasn't of selfish conceit or anything. We know that because he gave up two days wages and then some. And so this time the Samaritan was doing the helping. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So what does this mean for you? How do we apply this? Jesus gives us the answer in verse 36 and 37. Which of these three, Jesus says, do you think was a neighbor, keyword neighbor, to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The Jewish expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Get out of my sight and go and do it. Get out of my face and go do it. This was a pivotal moment because Jesus was telling somebody who didn't believe in Jesus to go and do something that he didn't ever want to do. He didn't have any experience with. And this is just how controversial Jesus was sometimes. But Jesus, in the whole conversation leading up to that, kept proving his point after proving his point after proving his point, giving him the answers that he wanted, building rapport with the guy. And then he caught him. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor? one who had mercy on him you're right go and do likewise go and so how do we apply this how do we go and do that how do we go and help our fellow man woman boy or girl family member boss co-worker how do we go and help our neighbor well who's our neighbor our neighbor is literally anyone with a pulse that's the easiest way i can describe it anybody with a pulse especially if they're not a Christian. <laughs> That's like number one. Actually, number one is love, your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But number two is go and love your neighbor like yourself. But if they're not a Christian, go and do likewise. And I know that because Jesus was telling a non-Christian to go do it. That's how important mercy is. So as we said earlier, mercy means that when you have the power to do so, When you have the power to punish and harm, instead, you just don't. And you have compassion. You have forgiveness for the person. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like exactly what Jesus did. To a T, exactly what Jesus did for all of us. I don't know where all of you are at in terms of your faith. I don't know if you're saved or not. I don't know if you follow Jesus or not. I don't know if you're here because the person next to you made you come. I don't know. But what I can tell you is the Jesus that I serve, the Jesus that I read about, the Jesus that we know here, is the epitome of mercy. Jesus has the power. He is God in the flesh. I like to tell my students that Jesus is God with skin. And he walked the earth as a human. He felt real pain. He cried real tears. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Lots of people know that. He had real hair. 
He had real feet that people washed. He walked on real gravel. He bled real blood. But he also performed real miracles. He was God with skin. He had all of God's power. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, And while we, us, were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, my friends, is mercy. Because he had all of the power to send us to hell. He had all the power to let us just stay broken people. Literally, it would have been better for Jesus because he wouldn't have had to die. (laughs) He wouldn't have had to go through the worst death imaginable. I don't know if you guys know this, but the actual cause of death from the crucifixion is not crucifixion. It's because his heart popped. His heart exploded. That's what our science and research can um, can um, infer about if somebody was to be crucified, what ends up happening in their body based on all the syndromes that he then um, w- that were created in him came upon his body of the six to nine hours that he was hanging on the cross. His heart finally said, I can't do this anymore. But he was being obedient to his father. And he even said, God, if, if there's a way to let this cup pass, let it pass. I don't want to do this. And then he has a change of heart and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He chose to do this. But in theory, he could have let us stay broken people. He could have let us stay people full of sin beyond repair. He could have let us live purposeless and hopeless lives. Yet, he died for us to reverse that curse. He died for us so that we can live hopeful lives, purposeful lives, so that we can be with him in heaven, seated right next to him someday. And for all of the things that we do that help that store up treasures in heaven, like being merciful, like forgiving, like loving our neighbor, like doing the things that we're supposed to do, not for riches on earth, but for riches up there. Then when we sit down next to Jesus, it's like, oh, hey, I'm loaded. Look at all these things. Jesus kept his word. It's probably not actually money, but we'll find out when we get there. Without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. We're like that man who got beat up. But like the Samaritan, Jesus comes to the rescue. He saves us. He helps us when we're most vulnerable. He's always there for us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He never has and he never will. But sometimes God uses people like us to help other people just like the good Samaritan did. Sometimes he uses people like you, yes, you, who's sitting there thinking, nope, not me, especially you, to be merciful. And my encouragement to you, my urge, is to not pass it up. What do you think would have happened to the dude if the Samaritan passed him up just like the priest and the Levite did? What do you think? He's a goner. Complete goner. Don't literally walk on the side of the street and run away from somebody who needs your help. Don't justify who your neighbor is. If they are alive still, they're still your neighbor. If you hate them, they're definitely your neighbor. And if you have the power to punish or harm them, and you can instead give them forgiveness and compassion, no matter if they even 
deserve it, no matter how much they hurt you, no matter if they even know that they did something wrong, no matter if they apologize to you, if you have the power to be merciful to them, especially them. Help your neighbor, love your neighbor, show mercy, and like Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this story. Thank you for this parable of the Good Samaritan. Thank you for allowing me to geek out on some of those cool uh, (laughs) theological things. Um, But God, we are so thankful for the joy and the honor it is to love you um, and to get an opportunity to love the people around us. And I know that what we learned today, that what you have said to us today is a challenge and it's hard. And I don't mean to ever say that I'm good at this. But God, being merciful on other people, no matter what, especially if they're not a Christian, especially if they're not within the family of God yet. Lord, maybe if we obey you and we can be merciful to you or to them, maybe they'll then come to know you. And that's the whole point. So God, thanks for an opportunity to share. Uh, Thanks for everything you do for us. Thanks for having mercy on us. Thanks for loving us, even though we don't deserve it ever and have never and will never. Uh, Thanks for creating us. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I
Thank you for joining us here. Thank you for joining us online this morning. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.